Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call your attention one more time to the book of John chapter number 17. John chapter number 17. Mentioned something the other day uh, to someone that by the time we get through with John 17, we will have preached 27 messages out of this chapter. And uh, they were astounded that you could... You could preach 27 messages, but there's a whole lot more messages you could preach out of John chapter number 17. Uh, we, could, we could stay in John chapter 17 from now till eternity and not get it all. Not get it all. Why? Because it is our Savior. It is our God that we're looking at and talking about and discussing through this scripture. And what a privilege to be able to recall and be a part of the prayer that our Savior prayed himself. What a blessing. I'm glad that God chose to record this prayer and give it to us as an encouragement. Uh, He didn't have to do that, but he did. And he did that so that we could understand things from Scripture. Let's look in verse number 1 through verse number 5 once again. The Bible says here, These words spake Jesus, and lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father... Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to pray. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given each of us to corporately gather together Uh, to be able to gather around your word, to gather around your scripture, to glean more about you and know more about you, to know more of you. And Lord, in doing so, drawing us close to you. And Lord, I ask you that you would do in our hearts this morning what you only can do and what you would have to be done. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In light of the two previous studies that we've looked at in this passage of Scripture, looking at that eternal life, uh, we want to go uh, a little further and consider uh, 
some more about that eternal life that's spoken of here in these verses, uh, we would ask the question, maybe, and asked the question several weeks ago, uh, how do we possess that eternal life? What is the avenue of that eternal life? Have, have I received that eternal life? It's the most monumentous question that we can ever ask ourselves in this life. And the reason for that is it's not only that this life depends on the answer to that question, but our eternity depends on the answer to that question. Uh, do we know God? Uh, do we have that eternal life? I, I was encouraged as I was studying this. In fact, I was uh, studying a little, little more last night and looking at some things, and I'll bring that out here in just a moment as, as we go through this. But I was so encouraged by some things that I saw even last night in finishing studying this that I actually ended up texting about five different people and shared what I saw in Scripture, shared with them because it, Brother Ricky, it was just amazing. It, it, was, it was just, it was like one of those aha moments in Scripture. And uh, I'll share that with you this morning. It may be something you already know. Maybe something you are. It it may go across your heads and across your back and like water on your back, and it may just flow off, and it may not mean anything to you, but it sure meant a lot to me when I finished and studying last night. But we'll get to that here in just a moment. But it the the one of the most monumentous uh, questions that we can ask ourselves is: Do we have this eternal life? This eternal life that's being spoken of in verse number 2 and verse number 3, especially in verse number 2, he said, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. And he gave him power over all flesh for what reason? That he may give them eternal life. That was the purpose in Christ's coming, was to give us eternal life. And he is to give eternal life to as many as the Father hath given him. And uh, I know that uh, sometimes that scripture may be difficult for some to understand, but you and I who understand the sovereignty of God and we understand the grace of God, it's not difficult to understand that scripture. And that scripture does not pose difficulty to us because we see scripture as it is. As we've looked at this passage of Scripture thus far, we have found that this life becomes possible to us only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other avenue in which you and I can have this eternal life. It, it is not something that we possess outside of Christ. Uh, just like we were singing this morning, I in my Savior and am happy and blessed. Uh, I in my Savior can find that rest uh, because it is in Him and in Him alone. We have seen that He enables us to know God. It is the Lord Jesus Christ and being in Him that enables us to gain that knowledge that He's talking about, about knowing the only true God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we may know Him. 
He enables us that we may know God by imparting Himself to us by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit of God, we are given another comforter. Is that not what Christ said? He said, I'll give you another comforter. When he said, I'll give you another comforter, he's talking about the same. He's talking about giving of himself to us, and he gives us the Holy Spirit of God. And we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So it's a blessing that you and I have the Lord Jesus Christ living within us through the Holy Spirit of God. By entering into us and giving us life, He enables us to know God. By being part of us and us being part of Him, we get a greater knowledge of Him day by day. I was talking with someone this past week and was talking to them about uh, the relationship uh, between a believer and Christ and and I told them it was this way and uh, just to draw in a an example if you will when my wife and I got married I loved my wife we loved one another we wanted to get married we lo- we wanted to get married because we loved one another but I I would venture to say I love my wife more today than I loved her the day I married her because that love has grown, that love has blossomed, that love has, has strengthened as we have loved one another. And that, that ought to be in the relationship of a husband and wife. But it is also in the relationship of a child of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we, his love never changes. He loved us with the greatest love he could ever love us. To begin with, but you and I began to love him more and more because we are taught and told and experience that love that he has for us. The Bible tells us that we only love him because he first loved us. Uh, so we have that love because he first loved us. Uh, the main topic of this message, in fact, <laughs> Jeffrey had asked me to send him the points to the outline. He was going to put them in the bulletin. Uh, This outline this morning has one point. Just one point of subject this morning that we want to spend time on and we want to look at. And the topic and subject of this message is that this eternal life is a life of quality. It's a life of quality. It's a life of quality more than it is a life of quantity. When we look at these two words and we consider the two words eternal life, the the main thing that we need to carry away from this is not the eternal part, but it is the life part. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. That does not mean that we do away with the eternal part. The eternal part is part of that, but the essential portion that we need to consider about this matter of this eternal life that you and I have been giving is that matter of life, and it is that quality of life. Over and above the question of quantity is the question of quality, 
And the quality is the thing in which Scripture emphasizes itself over and over again. We deal with and we look at eternal life and we look at the duration, the time of that eternal life, but Scripture deals more emphatically with the quality of that life and deals more with the life itself than it deals with the the duration of that life. Here's the reason life becomes eternal, and we'll deal with this, and then we'll get into the part of the quality. The reason that the life that we're given becomes eternal is solely because we are in Christ. And if we're in Christ and with Christ, there is no end. That's what makes our life eternal. But the life that we have in Him is so much more uh, than just having that span of time. A lot of people uh, would deal with the fact that if you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you get to live forever. Well, that's not the, that's not the emphasis that God's talking about here. The emphasis that He's dealing with is that quality of life. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in John chapter number 10 and verse number 10, the Lord Himself says, I come that they might have life. And what? And they might have it more abundantly. He's dealing with that quality of that life. What is offered to us is a type and a kind of life which is available at this present time, and we live in in this present time, but also it, it, it remains throughout our life in this world, and it carries us on beyond the grave and carries us into eternity, into that life of perfection when we shall see Him face to face. That is the reality. That is what is meant by eternal life. The time element of eternal life comes in like this, if you will. We receive life itself here in this world. But because we are in flesh, and because we have imperfections in us, and we have sin in us, that is introduced in almost every portion of our life, there is a kind of a limit to the quality that God has for us in this eternal life. Why? That, that limit is not because of God, but that limit is because of the sin that still remains in our life. So we are limited in the quality not, by, not from God's point, but we're limited because of ourselves. We're limited because of what we allow ourselves to be part of in this life that hinders us from having that quality of life that God wants us to have. God wants us to have the entire quality of life and He would like that we have it here, but we hinder that many times by allowing ourselves to still be attached to this world. By allowing ourselves still to and in light of something that we would understand to still drive our tent stakes too deep sometimes. 
Not to say that we don't live in this world because we do. And there are certain aspects of this world that we must attend to. We must, if we're going to exist in this world, and especially if we're going to do as the Scripture tells us, and we're going to be, and we're going to be honest, and we're going to pay our bills, and we're going to do what the Scripture tells us to do, we have to be involved in a job. We have to be involved in these things and different aspects of our life that hinder us from being able to grasp or grab hold of the true quality of life that God has for us. But we can have a taste of that. We're limited sometimes by that, but we can have a taste of that. And it is that which will grow, which will increase as we grow and increase in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the reason. In fact, I had someone ask me this week, I had someone ask me the question, if God is sovereign, and if God does know those that are going to be saved, and if God does know those that aren't going to be saved, what is the purpose of church? Why even go to church? Well, the purpose of church is that we increase in this quality of life. It is that we increase in our knowledge of knowing Thee, the only true God. It is, it is that we increase in our knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent, that we see in this Scripture. So we understand that there is the need, there is the necessity for that. But I want to get to this point also of what I saw in Scripture, even in studying and finishing up studying, if you will, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. And I'm going to do something here uh, that someone may would say, uh, they, they may would say, well, wait a minute, you can't do that. But I'm going to do something here for clarity so that we understand something. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, Paul is dealing with the matter of Charity. He's dealing with the fact that charity is the most important of all things. And you and I have read this scripture. We know this scripture. And he goes down through there and he says in verse number one, he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men or of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could uh, remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. He goes on and talks about that love. He's dealing with that love and that love that should be existent in our life because He has first loved us. It is, a, it is an overflow, if you will, of the love of Christ. It is not that we have learned to love. It is that that love of Christ flows through us. And if we have not that in this life, then we do not touch those that we need to touch. The way that I am touching my neighbor is by displaying to them the love of Jesus Christ. The way that I am a help to my brothers and sisters in Christ is that I display that love that is in Christ. If I never display that love, I am of no benefit to those that are around me. So it is necessary that we understand this love. But we get down to verse number 11 and verse number 12. In fact, 
Paul tells us in verse number 11 down through verse number 13, he tells us this. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly. And, and, and if you're not careful, you'll run all of that together. So let's slow down and read the scripture and read it as the punctuations that we have. For now we see as, as though we see as a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. But the thing that I want us to key in on and the thing that I want us to look at this morning is verse number 11. And I'm going to do something that would, if you were around the right people, would gall them. But that's all right. It'll be fine. Just stay with me. I'm going to add two words to the end of verse number 12. And those two words are either by Him or in Him. Let's read it this way. For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known by Him or in Him. Does that not bring light to that Scripture? What He's telling us is not that we will know as we're known. We will know as we are known in Him. We will, and as we know that, Brother Ricky, as we understand that, those things of Scripture become more clear. Yes. They become clearer in our life. If we add those two words or were to put those two words at the end of that verse, it is there that you can find real rest. Yes. It is there that you can find lasting rest. It is there that you can find peaceful rest. And it is there that you can find strengthening rest in that verse. We can have the beginnings. And this is what I want us to get a hold of from John chapter 17. Going back to John chapter 17. We can have in this life the beginnings and the first fruits of what our life is going to be in eternity. Because that life is in Him. And what we've got to do if we're going to have that life and we're going to experience that life and we're going to enjoy that life here, we must first see ourselves in Him. That's the reason that we went through the series that we went through in the book of Ephesians when we looked at our identity in Christ. Who are we? We're not just someone that is just saved. We're someone that is in Christ. 
We're in the Lord Jesus Christ and being in the Lord Jesus Christ enables us to understand more clearly that quality of life that God has given us when He gave us in John chapter 17 eternal life. That quality of life that we see here. That restful life that we see here. We can have it now and it will continue throughout eternity. It will grow from now throughout eternity. It will increase now throughout eternity. And ultimately, it will blossom into perfection when we shall see Him face to face. When you and I see Him face to face, our quality of life will blossom into perfection. Not because we are anything, but because He is everything. And that's important for us to understand. As a result of having this life, we become the sons of God. We are the children of God. What we're dealing with this morning and what we're looking at in this passage of Scripture is a new principle that has taken place in our life. When you and I are given eternal life, we are given a quality of life that changed when we got born again. We are given a quality of life that we did not have before salvation. We're given a quality of life that no one outside of Christ possesses in any form or fashion. You and I are given something that those that are without Christ do not have. And that is a quality of life that we did not have before we were born again. That new principle or that new process in us is a new nature. It's a new outlook. So much so that the Apostle Paul wrote it this way. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. He is a new creature or a new creation. He is created anew. If you're born again, you are a new creature. You're a new creation. You were born anew. That's the reason that it's the new birth. You were born again. You were born into a family that you were not a part of beforehand. So you and I are brought into that family. Is he given? Is that person that is saved? Is that person that is born again? Are they given a new faculty or a new set of faculties? And the answer to that is no. You and I still possess this physical body. When I got born again, my flesh did not get saved. My flesh did not get born again. I still carry. And by the way, may I clarify here. When I was born again, when I was taken out of Adam and I was placed in Christ, the old man died. He died. He's not alive. He's dead. But you and I still drag with us a dead man. That's the difficulty. We still drag with us a dead, decaying carcass that we have. And I know that fleshly I'm still breathing. 
But the, the flesh, the, 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 the atom part of me, when I was placed in Christ, in order for me to be placed in Christ, I had to be made anew. And when I was made anew, the old man had to die. And the old man died, but I still carry that carcass with me. And I'll still carry that carcass with me until the day that I lay my fleshly breathing life down or till Jesus comes again. And when I see Him face to face, it will be perfection. And I will not have this decayed body with me. Amen. You and I still are, have this decaying body. If, if you don't think you still have this decaying body, then why did we take a shower this morning? Why did we wash off the dead cells? Every one of us have cells on our body that are dying every moment, every second of our life, and we have to wash those away. Doesn't matter if we sat in an office. Doesn't matter if we didn't do anything to exert any energy. We still have to wash that old dead man away every day. And we need to do that spiritually also is to wash all that dead man away. Yes, sir. And the more we wash away of the dead man, the more we are experiencing that quality of life that God has given us and wants us to enjoy. That more abundantly part that God was talking about, that more abundantly part that Jesus Christ mentioned to us in John chapter number 10, that more abundantly part is what God wants us to experience. And the way that we do that is by taking the water of the Word and washing away that decaying carcass of that dead man that we carry around with us. So understand that this wonder of what happens when a man receives his new life, what happens when he becomes born again, is he is, he is given a new principle, he's given a new purpose, he's given a new quality of life that does not put away the old faculties, but it does begin to control and should begin to control the old faculties. It should, it should, when a man's born again, it should make an effect on those old faculties. It should change the way we think. It should change what we believe. It should enable us to do, as I've already said, and put away on a daily basis that old man that we've been carrying around. The glory of this eternal life is that it can come into any life. It can come into any life, any kind of person. It really does not depend, and we've got to get a hold of this, it really does not depend in any sense upon the individual qualities or the individual faculties of a person in order for that quality of life to come into them. That quality of life comes because of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is available to all those who will believe. It is available to all those who will recognize the grace of God, take hold of the grace of God, and live in those graces that God has bestowed upon us. And that's what he's talking about in John chapter 17 when he said he has given eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. That grace, that gift of the grace of God that God has given to the Son, those that the Son 
in turn gives back to the Father for the glory of the Father. What a blessing. What a blessing. What a privilege. What a, what a privilege to be part of that. To, allow, to, to know that God's graces has revealed Himself to us. That we can know the Lord Jesus Christ. That we can know the only true God. And that we in turn could bring glory to God by having that quality of life that He has given to us. We're not, we're not giving glory to God because of what we've done. We're giving glory to God because of what He's done. Right. What He's done in us. Yes. This eternal life is something which affects the entire man. If you're born again, it affects the entire man. Is it, it is especially interesting to observe the way which it affects man's understanding and his apprehension of spiritual things. What does the Bible tell us? That the Bible, the Word of God, is spiritually and it is spiritually discerned. The reason so much of this world, in fact, I saw a, uh, a thing on YouTube this past week of someone that supposedly grew up in church, they grew up around religion, and that's the key thing, they grew up around religion, they walked away from religion, and his display was that Jesus Christ Himself lied. And he went through Scripture and he tried to pull out how that Jesus Christ lied, but he pulled Scripture out of context, and everything he did did not fit back together with Scripture. And his whole problem, his whole problem in doing that is he had no spiritual discernment because he's lost. He does not know God. And if he does not know God, then he cannot, if he does not first of all know God in saving grace, he cannot know God in that quality of life. And if you cannot know God in that quality of life, that is what disturbs so many people. It disturbs them that they can go to church on Sunday or they can go to church on Wednesday or they can, they can give their money to the church or they can, they can be good to their neighbor or they can pay their bills and it seems like they still can't get anything out of the Word of God. The reason they can is because it's spiritually discerned. Right. It's interesting to see someone actually become born again, actually have God's grace shed upon their life, and then become born again. And at that point, they begin to say, man, that makes sense. I was, <laughs> I was talking to somebody this past week, and I shared this with Brother Charles. In the middle of talking to them, in the middle of sitting there and talking to them, they looked at me and they said, I get that. That makes sense. <laughs> you know what that tells me? That the grace of God is working in their life. It, you, don't, you, don't, you don't see that by someone explaining it to you. Right. You see that because the Spirit of God makes it known to you. If you and I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ, we would not see the things we see from Scripture because this is God's Word. This is what God has to say. And for, in order for us to understand Him more, we must know Him first. And that's what He's telling us here in this passage of Scripture. That eternal life 
is something that affects the whole man. The Apostle Paul works this out in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. He says this, Christians have not received the Spirit of the world, but they've received the Spirit of God. You and I have, and being saved, we have received the Spirit of God. He goes on to tell us, and he makes this statement, and so much of the time this statement is taken out, way out of context. And I'm going I'm, I'm to deal with that briefly. But he makes this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, one of the statements that most all of us could quote. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for him that love him. He tells us that in verse number 9. Can I shed some light on this scripture? God is not talking about heaven. He's talking about the here and now. He's dealing with those things. He tells us, and, and so much of the time, the reason I say it's taken out of context, so many times when you hear this verse preached, when you hear this verse dealt with, people are talking about heaven. I heard, I heard a message when I was younger. I heard a message, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying this preacher. Please don't. If you've heard the message and you know who he is, Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I knew the man personally. I had respect for him. I appreciate his life for God. But listen, I heard a message when I was growing up and the message was this. And it was out of this scripture. And he said that we have not, I, ears, eyes have not seen nor ears heard what the Lord has prepared for us or, or what the Lord has for us. And he, he went on to say what it was going to be like in heaven that, that grapes were going to be so big that you'd have to stick a faucet in so you could turn the grape juice on and bananas were going to be so big that you'd have to have zippers in them. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about us knowing Him now. He's talking about us knowing Him and getting to know Him now in this place. He said, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. What is that? The understanding of that life that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to explain that as he goes into verse number 9. He says in ver or verse number 10 of that same chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, he makes this statement, that we understand because the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. I had someone call me. We were getting ready to go on the motorcycle ride yesterday, and I had someone call me while we, while we were sitting here uh, at, at breakfast. And, and this, was, this was amazing. This call came because of the last mail out we had. They received the card for the mail out that we just mailed out those 1,400 cards. This call was a lady that wanted to know more information about the church. And at the end of the conversation, her statement was to me, don't be surprised if some Sunday evening you see me there. Amen. I said, come on, be a part of it. Sit down, enjoy the things of God, enjoy the Scripture. What a blessing yes. yeah. to get those kind of calls. But 
we, we were talking about all those things and I was telling her the things that we were going through and how that we'd, uh, we'd by the time we get done with the book of Romans, we've gonna, we're going to be in the book of Romans for two and a half years and, and how that uh, we're spending 27 weeks in, in, uh, in John chapter number 17. And this was the lady's statement. She said, man, y'all digging in deep, ain't you? I thought, we're just trying to find out what the Scripture says and be obedient to the Scriptures. But we would not have that and we would not know that nor could we know that if it was not for what we find in verse number 10 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. The Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. It is God in His Spirit which reveals those things to us. It is God in His Spirit that allows us in our quiet times, in our personal times, in our times together, in corporate worship, whatever it may be, it is those times that God gives us those aha moments in Scripture. When, we, when, when God sheds a light and we say, you know, that makes sense now. That makes sense now. Paul goes on to tell us that the Spirit of God searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. He says that the princes of the world do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's talking about when he talks about the the prince of the world not knowing Christ, he is talking about they do not understand and they do not grasp the truth and the reason they do not understand and the reason they do not grasp that truth is because they do not know God. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. They have not been given this eternal life that Jesus Christ is talking about in John chapter number 17. Paul closes out chapter number 2 of Corinthians. Paul closes it out with verse number 15. He says this, He that is spiritual judges. And when he mentions that, people, people take that word judges and, 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 and they take it way over here when that's not what God's talking about. What he's talking about when he said the, that he that is spiritual judges, he means that he understands and he is able to evaluate those spiritual things. Yet he himself is judged of no one. What's he saying when he says that? He said the spiritual man judges, but he is judge of no one. What is he talking about? He's talking about that the spiritual man, that that has eternal life, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, that has eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ, and has that eternal life that we're talking about in John chapter number 17, when, it, when they have that eternal life, they are able to comprehend. They're able to grasp. They're able to understand those spiritual things, some more so than others, some deeper than others, some shallower than others. We're all at different stages in our spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you have the Lord Jesus Christ living in you, you understand some spiritual truths from the Word of God and more so as we learn more about Him. And as you understand those things, as you're able to judge those things, as you're able to know those things, no man can judge you because he cannot understand what you understand is what that Scripture said. 
It's said that He Himself is judged of no man. Why? Because they cannot understand. Those that are outside of Christ, those that have not experienced this eternal life that Christ is talking about in John chapter number 17, those that have not experienced it cannot understand how you can understand the Word of God. But you can understand the Word of God only through the Lord Jesus Christ and only because He has given us that eternal life. What a blessing. The Christian is an enigma to the non-Christian. The Christian has an understanding and an insight that a non-Christian does not have. They can't have because it is spiritually discerned and they do not have the Spirit of God living within them. Paul ends this chapter with a wonderful statement. He says, For whom... Has, or, or for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. And then he closes out that chapter with this statement. But we have the mind of Christ. What I'm telling you this morning is this eternal life that God is talking about, this eternal life that Jesus Christ has given those who believe, this eternal life that He has given to as many as the Father hath given Him, that eternal life is that which enables us to have the mind of Christ. does not mean that we know all that Christ knows. It means that we have the mind of Christ to be able to understand these Scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We have a spiritual understanding of Christ Himself. We understand what Christ has done for us. We understand what Christ went through. We understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in understanding the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are able to understand Scripture. The moment a man receives in this life that eternal life, he becomes a stranger to this world. He becomes a stranger. The Bible teaches us in, in several different places. The Bible calls us a stranger, calls us a pilgrim, calls us a sojourner. That's what we are in this world. That is the reason this world cannot, cannot judge us because they cannot understand what we understand. Why? Because they do not have the Spirit of God living within them. If you have it, dwell upon it that you may know and grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This eternal life is a quality of life that God has given us. And in His giving this quality of life to us, we therefore should have that desire in us to learn more, to know more, to grow more, and to grow closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a harder battle for some than it is for others. And that is God's choosing. God allows it to be that way. But it is important, and I'll give you this and I'm done. That is the reason it is important that we meet together corporately. That is the reason it is important that we come together around the Word of God. 
can I just say here, it's not important that I am the one preaching the word of God. It is not important that I am the one that is projecting the word of God. What is important is that the word of God is preached. And the word of God is projected. Why? Because we learn more day by day through the process of Christian growth in our life by getting to know more of the Lord Jesus Christ. If a person does not have that eternal life, they don't understand all of this. They can't. It's impossible for them to understand. But those of you who do know Christ have a clearer understanding of the Word of God. And the more systematically that we walk through Scripture, the greater understanding we have of our Lord and the greater understanding we have of the quality of the eternal life that our Savior has given us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the Scripture this morning. We thank you for manifesting yourself through the Scripture this morning. And I pray that you would do with this Scripture in each of our lives what you would have to be done. Thank you so much for everyone that made their way and gathered their way to be around the Scripture this morning. I pray that you would take your Word. Lord, may you illuminate it. May you magnify it. And Lord, in doing so, may you bring glory to yourself. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.